0: Hey, uh, for you to forgot, uh, my name's Jim, and and I still I do still work here. Um, Hey, I just want to start by saying thank you. This is uh, I I say this all the time. You're getting sick of it, but uh, tough. I just love this place, and I love the community that Robin and I and Jordan Allison have found here, and all your prayers. Robin's uh, mom passed away last Thursday. And uh, Scott announced that last weekend. And uh, her her service uh, this past Monday was beautiful. I, 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 it's it's kind of kind of funeral I want where we just kind of celebrate a life that is connected with Jesus. And uh, it's one of those mixed things where you're really happy that that she's not suffering with physical ailments anymore, but you're still sad because Robin lost her mom. And uh, and uh, and we know we're gonna see her someday in heaven and all that, but it's still sad right now. So thanks for your prayers and your emails and your cards and. And your hams and and your uh, and your and your just and your all the things you've sent uh, to us. That was weird, but anyway. Um, uh, so and thanks for praying for my shoulder. It's coming back together. It's been kind of a tough week, but at least it was Shark Week. Uh, and that, that's made it a good week on Discovery, so, so see, there's good in all uh, things. But um, hey, let's jump into this. Over the last month, if, you, if you've been on vacation, you're just coming back going, what are we doing here? Um, we've been using baseball uh, this, this whole summer, and we just kind of wrap it up and do something different next week, but um, kind of as a metaphor or what Jesus would call a parable, comparing something that's unfamiliar with something that's familiar. And, and Jesus had this idea called church, and, uh, and not only that, but he had this idea called life. And uh, we just basically said, um, could we compare that to something that's a little more familiar? And Jesus said, there's different ways to play the game of life, play the game of church, play the game of family, play the game of being a dad. There's there's different ways to play the game and they don't all win. They don't all lead to the same place. Not all paths go to the same place. It's just, we just all know that's true because we've tried a lot of different paths. But Jesus said, let me tell you the game I kind of came to give you is I came to give you um, a a life that's, he said, it's an abundant life. I mean, you have life out there. I want to give you a better life. Uh, a life to the full. Um, and, in, and so this month we've been calling it, he, he wants us to win in our life. I want to win in my life. I want to win with Robin. I want to win with my kids. I want to win with God. I want to win with my friends. I want to win in my finances. I, I, I want to win. And, and Jesus said, I came to show you a better way to live your life. And so for the first two weeks of the series, um, we kind of were working through our values, kind of laid out the playing field of, well, what is a win and what does that look like? And then how do I get there? And it started, if you have your program with you and you want to fill in the blanks, we're going to have all six values completed uh, tonight. And then next week we're going to actually apply one of them and I'll I'll wrap up with that. But it started with value number one, it's called biblical authority, or what we say around here is it's just a better way to live. We believe that in the pages of this book, God outlines, describes, maps out, points to, uh, encourages us, calls us to a better life. It's just, a, it's just a better way to, to, to live uh, your, your life. There's lots of different ways to live your life. Um, and, and, and Jesus didn't come to teach us about a new belief system only. If you believe the right things and whatever. Um, not, he didn't come to just form a, a, a bunch of people that get together on Saturday nights or Sundays and we sing songs about that book and, or that we memorize big chunks of it or something like that. Jesus came to say, you know, if you would get under this thing and let it kind of direct your life, you'll love where it takes you. It's a better way. To, to, to live your life. And one of those better ways is value number two. We call it relational intimacy. You know what's a better way to live your life? Being connected to God and not afraid of him. Not fearing, you know, to go eyeball to eyeball with God. Not worrying about condemnation and walking around with guilt over your past and stuff like that. And we believe, because Jesus taught this, it's still possible for everybody to get reconnected with God, not based on if you perform at a certain level, like a battery, you know, or a we'll world trade you, or um, not, not if um, the circumstances of your life all make sense. Well, it all makes sense, therefore I, believe I must be connected to God, or it's not even I'm connected to God if God does the right things for me, like if I pray the prayer and my cancer goes away, or I pray my prayer and my mother-in-law gets better. So my, my, my connection to God has nothing to do with what's going on today. My connection to God is totally based on something that already happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus died on a cross. That's what connected me to God, and then He jumps into my life and helps me walk through the rest of it. But I am already connected to God. But see, here is the thing. And then Scott kind of followed the next week is that um, following Jesus, being connected to God, is not just this private, personal thing—just me and Jesus. We worked out our junk and we're okay. I mean, good, good for you. You know, you're not going to hell anymore. That's great. But Jesus also said that being connected to God has a horizontal playing field as well. See, it's loving God and loving one another, loving people. See, loving God is lived out by loving people that God loves even the unlovable ones. And here's the other thing. Jesus says that our best shot at following him, because it's hard. This is really hard to follow God. But our best shot at following God is if we would link arms with some other people who they're trying to follow God too. And that's called value number three, authentic community. It's not a bunch of you know, religious, preachy, self-righteous, judgmental people. We know them, that's not what we're talking about but is it possible that we could create an authentic community, a safe community, a real place? Um, uh, You can call me at two in the morning if you need me. A me too kind of place. Is that, is that still possible? Can we just do life together? So that kind of sets up the win. What's the win? What's my win for my life? How are you to find if I'm winning or not? Here it is. Ready? It's very, very simple. I want to be connected to God and I want to be the man God wants me to be. That's a win. Don't, that's a win for you, isn't it? I want to be connected to God. I, want to, I, want to, I don't want to be separated from him. I want to be connected to God. And I want to be the man, the woman, the dad, the husband, the kid, the whatever that, 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 that I believe that I want to be and that God wants me to be. That's, that's what I want to be. And so that's my win. The win for this church is um, could we create a place that sets you up to be there? Could we create some space? Could we create a place that gives all of us the best shot at crossing home plate? What do you mean? Being connected to God and becoming the men and women that we really want to be. And that's value number five. If you want to fill in value number five, just skip over four. Value number five is this, excellent environments. Excellent environments, creating places, not to fix people, because I can't fix you. I can't even fix myself. Yeah, not to change people, not to judge people, but could we create some excellent places and opportunities for people just to bump into Jesus and the rest is between the two of them just to work out their stuff? And not only just to connect with, with Jesus, but maybe to connect to one another. See, here's the thing is if every week I got up here and said, you've got to follow this, folks. You've got to follow this. You're doing it the wrong way. You're doing it the wrong way. This is a better way. Just do this. That's religion. And, it, you know, it's it, it, true. It is a better way. But here's what I found. If that, all you're telling me is do this different, do it right, do it better, that just smells really, really religious. And here's what I have found, that if I try this enough times and fail enough times, I'll quit. Not because it's not true, it's just too hard. It's just hard. Or if I got up here every week and said, you know what? If you just love Jesus and believe in Jesus, and put your faith and trust in Jesus, and what He did on the cross two thousand years ago, your sins will be forgiven, and He'll jump in your life, and when you die, you'll go to heaven, which I believe, and it's true. But here's the thing: is I became a Christian 38 years ago, and I don't plan on going to heaven for a while. You know, at least not this week. And and I've just got some no, it's close. But anyway. I've got some junk in my life I need help with today, don't you? I don't want to be connected to God so I don't go to hell. I mean, that's a good thing. But I've got some stuff here. I just need God to jump into my life here. And here's the other thing. is I, I, If every time I just got up here and said, you know, whether you agree with this or not, if we could just find some friends, and if we could just kind of have barbecues together and have some fun together and help each other's self-esteem go up, you know, we'd just become another social club. And I guess it's not wrong to do that, but... I don't know if it really holds up. Did you guys watch the news this past week about the guy that walked into the church in Knoxville and opened up fire and shot a bunch of people? I don't know anything about this church, so I'm not being critical. This is what I know about the church. That that weekend, the service was a presentation of the children's musical Annie. Again, I'm not being critical of the church, but I hope, and I don't know anything, all right? I hope that the message of that church is more than when you're stuck with a day that's gray and lonely, stick out your chin and grin because the sun will come out tomorrow. I hope they're offering people a little bit more than that because all of us in this room know if your day gets gray enough or lonely enough or a big enough tower falls on your life or your life falls apart, stick out your chin and grin, falls apart, right? It's gotta be more than that. It just has to be. See, when Jesus had, a, this is Jesus' idea. It's not Jim's idea, not the elder's idea. Nobody in this room had this idea. Jesus says, I got an idea. I'm gonna, I'm gonna build this place called church. He built it for us. He doesn't need it. We do though. He said, I want to create a place, some space, some safe space, an opportunity for people to score in their life. The next one, yeah, but even in this one, Jesus knew that we needed all of those things in order to set us up to win. See, look, look at your program there in Acts chapter 2. And this is this one paragraph, if you want to read it later, it's kind of like the ultimate like, thumbnail of the church of what Jesus had in mind. It says, they, and we've said this over and over, they, what do you mean they? People just like us. They just discovered Jesus and were trying to follow him. They, the very first church, devoted themselves, kind of poured themselves into the apostles' teaching. And apostles were the disciples, those 12 guys that followed Jesus around after he died and came back to life. They now call them apostles, all right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and, and to prayer, now, it kind of looks like this, all right? We're trying to say, here's the playing field, okay? Uh, how do I win? Well, we know that home plate is this. I just want to be connected to God and, and become the man and woman that I really want to be. Well, how do you get there? I don't know. Those people said, well, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What do you mean? These, these 11 guys and later these 12 guys, you know, they hung out with Jesus for 12 years or, or three years, and then they walked around going, listen, we were with him, and this is what he said is a better way to live your life. And we just want to pass it on to you. This is how you can get connected to God. It doesn't matter what disconnected you. You can be connected to God. They devoted themselves to that. So here's a better way to live your life. And then they, developed, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. What do you mean the fellowship? It means they linked arms with one another. And Scott talked about this so well a couple weeks ago. This was a, an impoverished. You think our economy's tough? The, the, the tax rate back then was probably in the 90%. That, that, that type of range. And you couldn't buy food because the Romans took it all. And, and your dad probably couldn't go do it for you because half the dads had been crucified. All right? It was a rough life. We see they they devoted themselves to the fellowship. They linked arms with one another and they said, listen, what the apostle said, come on to my house and let's figure out how we're gonna help each other do that. Oh, you don't have any food? I got a little bit of extra. We'll put our stuff in the same pot and we'll, 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 we'll get enough to eat together. Your husband was crucified? Listen, I'm a pretty good dad. Hey, you guys put your feet under my table and we'll, and we'll take care of one another. The, the fellowship, the common life which I think was the biggest attraction to coming to church before they even knew it was even about Jesus. They, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And again, I think that's, that's, that's eating, but, it, but breaking of bread is the Bible way of saying they took bread and they took wine and they remembered that Jesus died on a cross. Oh yeah, the reason we're connected to God is not because we stopped smoking and stopped drinking and stopped sleeping around and stopped getting high and stopped getting, no, it had nothing to do with it. The reason we're connected to God is that a few, well, in this case, two months ago, Jesus died on a cross and came back to life. And 2,000 years later, we pass out bread and juice as going, hey, don't forget, the reason we're connected to God had nothing to do with you cleaning up your life. You just accepted the best deal on the table and his name's Jesus. And they devoted themselves to prayer. Hey, because we're connected to God, we can just go right to him. We don't have to go in a booth. We don't have to go to a priest. We don't have to go and burn incense or kill animals. We can just go, God, are you there? right? And and I don't know, I don't think it's a progression. What Scott talked about, you know, is I want to win in my life. And I don't know if first base is the Bible and second base is Jesus and third base is my friends. I don't know. I don't know what the order is. Some of us found Jesus long before we found church. As a matter of fact, some of us knew Jesus and church turned us away from him, right? Been to that church? You know, some of us, you know, we we, we discovered God just because we felt him when we walked on the beach or on a mountain. We didn't know his name was Jesus for years. I need all three, I need God's word in my life because it's a better way to live, but it's too hard to do by myself. I need Jesus in my life because I need the strength to do it and the forgiveness when I mess it up. And here's the other thing is, I need you guys in my life. You're the people of God. I just need you in my life. Not to throw stones at me and put a finger in my chest, but to say me too. Could we just help each other? And I don't know the order of the progression. I just want all three in my life. It's just a, it's a better way to live your life. And what's it take to build a church like that, an excellent environment like that, be a man like that, That's what Scott talked about last week. If every one of us would say, this is my church. It's not Jim's church. It's not those people's church. This is my church. What what do we need to do? Put me in, coach. What, What do you need? It's called value number four. Go back and fill this one in. Gifted service. We keep on asking, how can I build a place that's safe enough for my friends to come to? How can I build a place that people can hear not just what Jesus has to say, because all the churches in America are quoting Jesus, but could we do it in a way that actually kind of reflects the personality of Jesus? And I know a lot of churches that are preaching truth, they're just so mean when they do it. I don't want to be a mean church. I want to be kind of like a Jesus church. So put me in the game. I've, I've sat in the stands. I've attended Flatirons for a few weeks, a few months, a few years, whatever. You know what? Now this is my church. Put me in, coach. I don't want to be a fan of this church. I want to be a player in my church that's why we do what we do around here. It drives everything we do. We believe that if, you know, when we go out there and help park cars, uh, hand out bagels, rock babies, even though we did our baby time, you know, and our kids are gone, but when we rock somebody else's baby or buddy up with a special needs person, invest in the life of a junior high kid, and remember that, how horrible the junior high was, we just need, or maybe if we just partnered up with that junior high kid's addicted single mom, when we, none of us have enough money. Yeah, does anybody have too much money? But we scrape together what little we have and we say, you know what? Let's buy some food and pile it out there on the stage so some people that really have it hard might have something to eat this week. And let's, let's go build some houses in Afghanistan before the snow comes back. When we do that, we really believe, we really believe that the people who receive that service, that gift that we give to them might actually catch a glimpse, not of Flatirons and not of me or not of you, but they might bump into a Jesus that really cares about their life. And that's why we pile food out there so they might know that God really cares about their hunger. See, everything that, if you're new to Flatirons, everything you're experiencing tonight comes out of those first five values. Everything. The, the reason food is, is, is piled up out there right now. And if you forgot to get food, when you get up here today, today you know, they, I don't know what you have after church tonight, but go, go to Albertsons. And bring, bring some food back over here. I, it, you'll, it, it'll change your heart. It just will. So we did backpacks and we still need some more backpacks. Although I think the number is like over 800, 900 backpacks. is just amazing. The reason we spend so much time, you know, these guys up here, they spend hundreds of hours rehearsing and writing songs. We're going to sing a song later that, that Randy wrote about tonight. And they rehearse and they aim lights and they, they design all this stuff and they print it out, not so that we can be cool and, and cutting edge. The reason we play songs that aren't church songs that you hear on the radio is not because we want to be, you know, we're a rock and roll church. You know, you know, that, that's not it at all. You know why we do that? Because that's what Jesus did. Now, before you leave, let me explain that, all right? Um, Jesus and the Apostle Paul the other major writer of the the Bible um, the number one way that they taught people was they compared things that they didn't know about to things they did know about you don't know about this but it's kind of like growing corn for tonight it's kind of like baseball right let me just compare it to something you already know and one of the ways they did a lot was they would quote the current philosophers and theologians and poets and writers of that day those were the rock stars back there back in these days And they say, listen, your own poets who don't believe in God are still looking for the same, better way. And it's Jesus. And they taught that. And that's why we do it. Not to be cool. It might be cool, but that's not our motivation. It just makes sense. See, an excellent environment is a place that people can come in here and go. So God really does understand my life, doesn't he? God really does understand my, my world. And the way that he described 2,000 years ago, it's still a better way today, right? And the message here is simply, we don't want to shove anything down your throat. Just here's your life Here's the life Jesus offers. Go with the best deal. And if you find a better deal than Jesus, please come tell me. We'll check it out. So let's review. So let's fill in the blanks the first five. Biblical authority we believe Jesus offers a better way to live your life. Relational intimacy it's still possible to be connected to God through Jesus Christ. Authentic community we believe that life is better lived in a Me Too community. Gifted service, when all of us use our talents and our abilities and our money to represent Jesus to a hurting, searching world, we believe that we can create an excellent environment, places where people can bump into Jesus and find some friends. And we believe a place like that sets people up to win. And let me kind of go to our last value then. What people are we talking about, Jim? Value number six is this, relational evangelism. What do you mean relational evangelism? Relational is people that you have a relationship with. I mean, someday we might talk about going to Afghanistan and about a hundred of us, I think, have gone to Afghanistan this year. And someday we might go to Africa and someday we might go to the other side of the world. And someday we might do this, someday we might not I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people you already have a relationship with. It's the people that you say, I care about them. Your dad, your cousin, your, your uncle, the guy down the, 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 the hallway at work, the guy on your baseball team, whatever that is. And evangelism, it's a fancy word for just tell somebody something good, some good news. I think that's a, that's a religious world. I, 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 think I might change this one and just call it relational invitation. Just invite somebody to come and see what Jesus said is a better way to live your life. See, come and see. Find out that God still loves you. He's not mad at you and he wants you back. Just come and see that not all followers of Jesus, some of us are, but not all of us are weird or religious nuts and throw stones at people that make mistakes. Just come and see. Come and be a part of a community that says, you know, me too. Maybe we could help one another. Well, what's that look like? Come and see. What's that look like? If you have your Bible with you, the Flatirons Bible, it's page 738. Uh, it's a, if you have a, a regular Bible, I don't know what it's called that, uh, it's the book of John. And I want to kind of set this up. Um, Jesus is just a few weeks into his ministry, meaning this for the first 30 years of Jesus' life, he worked construction all right? He was a carpenter and, like, built tables and chairs and stuff like that. Then he, he got baptized, and then he went into the desert for, like, six weeks and kind of went on a little personal retreat. Then he comes back, and in the third chapter of the book of John, he meets this guy named Nicodemus and says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now we're in chapter four, okay? So he's been going around. He's just started. Oh, and was a great party. They ran out of wine at a wedding, and he just just water become wine, and the party just went on. It was a great story. Read that one, John chapter three later. But anyway, um, it's a really great party. But anyway, here's the thing is, um, Jesus is now, um, he's, he's been down in Jerusalem, which is, if this was Israel, Jerusalem's down here at the bottom, and his hometown's up here, and he has to walk like a couple hundred miles north, and he has to go through the middle part of Israel, which is kind of like the, yeah, you don't want to go through that part. It's called Samaria. It's like the, it's like the projects of Israel. Okay. Just don't go in there because you'll get beat up and people will just do terrible things to you. But anyway, so, but he says, I'm going to walk home. So anyway, Jacob, or John chapter four, verse six. All that's right? so spiritual by that, that description. But anyway, he says this, Jacob's well was there. Now, so he's walking and And if you go back to one of Isaac's, you know, way back in the Abraham days, stuff like that, well, there's a guy named Jacob and he dug a well, okay? And this is the well he dug. Jacob's well was there, and it's kind of a famous well. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, because he got up 50 miles, you know, and he's got another 100 to go, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, let me explain that. The Jews measured time. They started at six in the morning. So the sixth hour would be about noon, which if you've ever been in the Middle East, it's hot, it's a desert, okay? So it's like noon. He's walked about 50 miles. He sits down by this well. It's, it's really hot. Verse seven. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, to get water, Jesus said to her, can I have a drink? Will you give me a drink? Now, time out here. This is significant on several levels, all right? All cultural. The first one is this. Um, she's a woman. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, push rewind, go back 2,000 years. Women equal cattle, I'm not pushing for that. I'm not advocating to that. I'm just saying culturally, a Jewish man got up every morning and prayed a prayer, dear God, thank you that I'm not a woman or a slave because uh, that'd be horrible, okay? I'm not saying we go back to that and I'm, saying Je- I'm not saying Jesus bought into that. As a matter of fact, by publicly speaking to a woman in public, which a good Jewish man would never do, he kind of sent out a message to anybody that might find them. Um, they have value. We all have value. I'm not looking at a woman. I'm not looking at, you know, her marital status. I'm, not, I'm looking at a, a human being. We're all, we're all valued. This' valued. Just, just a cultural taboo back then. Second thing, she was a Samaritan. Let me explain this. Jews hated Samaritans. And I don't have a better, I oh, this isn't offensive, but they, they considered Jews or Samaritans half-breeds. And here's what I mean by that. The, they were Jews that had married local people which back then was just, oh, you can't do that. And they kind of mixed the Jewish religion with some of the local religions and kind of come up with kind of a hybrid religion. And a good Jew, if you were a good Jew, you didn't have anything to do with a Samaritan. So when Jesus says, can I have a drink out of your bucket? He had broken a a huge religious law because this is how bad the Jews hated Samaritans. If you touched a Samaritan, let alone drank out of their bucket, you were out. You were considered dirty now. You couldn't go to the temple. God wouldn't listen to your prayers. You couldn't offer a sacrifice. You were unholy. You had to go take a special bath and go through all the ceremonies and you know, do the hokey pokey and all, all these kind of stuff until finally you were holy again. And Jesus says, can I drink out of your bucket? Here's the other thing that's important in this. And these are really, really minor things but they are important, all right? It was noon, the hottest part of the day, all right? The only women that came to the well at noon were the social outcast and the, and the prostitutes. Because all the good girls, they came in the morning when it was nice and cool. All the women would meet at the town gate and they'd walk down you know, and you know, chat and chat and chat and share and all that kind of stuff. You know, and they would go down to the well and they would get a bucket of water and they'd all walk home together and they'd do all their, all their, you know, whatever, okay? So after that all cleared out, then she went to the well. And we're gonna find out why she didn't wanna bump into those women. Jesus looks at her and goes, um, could I have a drink of water? And her response in verse nine is, uh, hey Jew, Why are you talking to me? It literally translates out if you go in and going, aren't you afraid you're going to get dirty talking to me? Aren't you think I'm going to ruin your your invitation? Are are you worried about that? This is Jesus' answer, verse 10. He says, if if you knew, if you knew the gift of God, and the gift of God is always forgiveness and love and grace and connection. That's the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, God, by the way, all right, you would have asked him, me, Jesus says, And he would have given you living water. I'm asking you for some physical water, but if you knew what I was offering you, you would have asked me for living water. She thinks he's talking talking about well water. She's 18 inches from God in the flesh. This isn't even a metaphor anymore. She's literally bumped into Jesus and he's offering her connection with God. This This is how she responds. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. You can give me living water. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? There's sarcasm all over this. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who dug this well, who, who gave us this well and d- drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and his herds? In other words, uh, what are you going to do for me? You can't even take care of yourself. What, what, can, you, what, what can you give me? Because she still thinks he's talking about well water. And Jesus answered, Everybody who drinks this well water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him or her will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up or overflowing up to eternal life. And eternal life here does not mean after you die, you go to heaven. That's not what it means. That's all I thought it was. If God God's so love of the world, he gave his only son, whoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. It means you die and after your funeral, you go to heaven. That's, that's true, but that's not what it's talking about here. Eternal life is a, a, a common Hebrew phrase, olam haba, which means harmony with God. You can have peace with God. You can be connected with God. I got some living water, and if you just take a drink of that, I'm telling you, you'll be connected with God. Verse 15. She still thinks he's talking about well water. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. In other words, I, I, I want some magic water. Give me, give me, you know what, I don't know where you're gonna get it from, but give me some magic water so I don't have to do this every day. And Jesus can read between the lines. What do you mean this every day? Here's my version of her life. She gets up in the morning, looks out the window, waits till the good girls all come back. It's now noon, all right? She sneaks down to the well to avoid all the stares and the whispers and the, and the rumors that are going on about her. She gets a, a bucket of water. She gets home as fast as she can. Probably needs to just like take a bath because she's so hot and sweaty. She uses up her water. Everybody wants some of her water, right? And, and, and by the end of the day, she's run out of water. There's never enough water. And the next day, she has to do it all again. Does that sound like anybody else's life? Does anybody get out of bed in the morning going, here we go again? I mean, fill in the blank if it's not water, it's something else. I got to go do this and do this and everybody wants a piece of me. And by the end of the day, I am so exhausted because everybody just takes and takes and takes and takes. And I collapse in bed and the next morning, the alarm goes off and my, you know, my response is not, this is the day the Lord has made. It's like, ugh, here we go again. Anybody? I think she's saying, you know, I, I really wish somebody would give me something so I don't have to keep on doing this. Jesus knows it. She's not really talking about water. This bucket is a picture of her life. So he kind of cuts through the heart of it. Look at verse 16. And he says this very gracefully. It sounds like he's just like attacking. He's not. He says this very gently. He says, um, go call your husband and come back. Maybe the three of us could talk, in other words. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man that you now have, is not your husband. What you said is quite true. He's not judging her. He's not throwing stones at her. He's going, I know. I have no husband. I know. I know. What he says is the truth. He knows what's going on because he knows what's going on. He just does. She's been to the well a lot. And we're not talking about well water anymore. She's been to that. I got to have a man in my life. Maybe this one will work out. And then I'll marry him because he promised me this. And then he broke his vows. And so I went back to the well and I got another guy and he, he, he stayed around for a while. Then I, he, he left me and or I made a mistake and he dumped me, whatever. And now I went back for man number three and that didn't work out. And by man number four, you know, I've lowered my standards so much. I just figured he would last about a month or two. And now I'm on man number five. He left. And now, you know what? I don't know if I want to marry this guy. I'm just going to kick the tires for a while. I'll just come over to the house because it probably won't work either. Again, I think a lot of us could relate to that. It's maybe not love and romance and failed marriage, but fill in the blank. How many of us have tried the same things over and over and over and over, and all we are is more frustrated and thirsty than we've ever been before? Jesus understands that. But she does what I do, maybe you do this too, and anybody gets really close to the messy parts of my life, let's change the subject. Let's talk about uh, religion, because that's always a safe subject, you know? But have you ever talked about, tried to talk about something spiritual with somebody in your, in your life, and you bring up God, and they immediately go into the, I hate religion. You know, it's like, hey, I'm talking about this in your life, and they bring up the crusades. You know, or what happened to this, and how many people did this, and, you know? And in Nazi Germany, there was this going on, and blah, 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 you know? Okay, all right. The church has made a lot of mistakes. Christians have made a lot of mistakes. People have made a lot of mistakes. And Jesus goes with her for as long as she wants to go with this. And finally, she looks at him and goes, never mind, I know. And this is what she says. She says something that both Jews and Samaritans believe. Look at verse 25. She goes, I know the Messiah called the Christ. See, Jews and Samaritans both believed, and by the way, Christians believe this too, is that one day God would send somebody that would connect us back with God. In the rearview mirror, we know that's Jesus, but they, they were still looking forward to that, okay? I know that one day God's gonna send this Messiah called the Christ, and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. It means I mean, I, I can't make sense out of all this stuff. This is craziness, I don't know. But there's part of me that wishes God would just hurry up and come and talk to me. You ever prayed that prayer? God, just tell me what to do. Just help me make sense out of my life, God. You know, I don't want to get out of bed today. I want to pull the covers over my head and just make it go away. God, tell me what to do. And Jesus responds, um, I who speak to you, to you, I'm him. I just wish God would show up and talk to me. It's me. It's me. And I think the math starts going around in her head. And she's like, uh. and right then the disciples show up. This is a horrible moment, but just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman because they were these Jewish, good Jewish men and, and Jewish rabbis like Jesus, they shouldn't be talking to women, you know? But no one asked him, what do you, no one asked her, what do you want? Or uh, why are you talking with her? I wonder why they stuck those two verses in there because the guy that wrote the book of John is there. And this is kind of indicting, you know? I think Jesus could look at them coming up the road going, I know what you're thinking, I know exactly what you're thinking. Why am I talking with a village slut? That's really what I believe. That he, the, the good Jewish men would go, why are you talking to her? We were in town. We heard about her. So she, her name's on every bathroom wall in town. I'm telling you, she has been around the block uh, six times. I'm mean, telling you, this, why are you talking to her? And here, here's why I think Jesus knew what was going on in their minds. I could show you a whole bunch of verses, especially in the first third of the Bible, that describe people like this. They're called Sinners. People who've made mistakes, people that have really screwed up their life, made bad choices and things like that, you know, not just once, but sometimes five, maybe six times, all right? And the Bible says that people like that ought to be punished. That's what the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. That's in the Bible and I agree with it. Okay, so he, here's the thing is, Jesus could have, by law, by, by the book of Leviticus, walked up to her and said, um, hey, go call your husband. I don't have a husband. You're right, you've had five and you're, and you're, and you're living with a guy now and shoved her in the well. He said, you know, this is what you have coming, you know? Sorry, you're a sinner. You deserve to die. Kind of like the woman that was thrown at his feet that was caught in the act of adultery. Whoever hasn't sinned, throw the first stone. Well, I, I haven't sinned. Bam, you know, he could, he could have done all that. He didn't do that. He could have. He's God. He didn't do that to her. And by the way, he still doesn't do that to people. I don't know what you heard about him, but he didn't come to judge people. He came to save people. And he looks at her and says, hey, listen, I, I know your life. I know your life. I'm not gonna throw stuff at you about your life. All I'm saying is, There's a better way to live your life. It's a better way to live your life. And what's her response? Look at verse 28. Then leaving the water jar, remember, that's why she came here in the first place. She had no idea of finding God, okay? She just came to get a drink of water. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, by the way, these are the people that always whispered in that, these are the people that she always wanted to avoid because, you know, they all knew her story and stuff like that. Here's what she said to them Come and see. Does that sound familiar? Because it's our sixth value around here. Come and see a man who told me everything I did. That translates, come and see a man who summed up my life. Come and see a man who understands the beginning of my life to the end of my life. He knows me. Then she asks a question Could this man be the Christ? She's not sure. She hasn't read the Bible yet. She hasn't gone to Bible study yet. She hasn't gone to Hebrew school. She's been a follower of Jesus for about 30 minutes. All she knows, this is all she knows. All I know is that when I'm with him, my life starts making more sense. And the only thing I know to do is just go to people I care about and say, you just gotta go check him out for yourself. Just just come and see. You know, and I can't prove this, but so I'm making this up. You don't have to believe this if you want. I think that when she walked in the well and said, you gotta come and see this man. He understands me. He gets me. and My life gets better when I'm around him. I think about half the town probably rolled their eyes and went, there you go again. Meet man number seven down by the well. Where's this eight, we lost track, you know? But apparently a lot of people looked at her and went, all right, and I don't know why. Maybe they saw something different. Maybe they're just curious, but they came. Look at verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. She told a story. You know, he told me everything I ever did. He understands me. So when the Samaritans came down to the well to him, they urged him, they invited him, stay with us. And he stayed two days. That's huge Jewish no-no. You think you're not supposed to drink from a bucket? Why don't you just go spend the night? I mean, he he just, you know, the Jews would later bring this up, right? They said to the one, all right, uh, for two more days, and because of his words, not hers, because of his words, many more Samaritans became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. I mean, thanks for introducing us, but that's not why we believe anymore. Now we heard for ourselves, and we know that this man, Jesus, really is the savior of the world. So thanks for, thanks for asking us to come and see. Thanks for getting us into an environment where we actually bumped into him. You didn't change our life, lady. I mean, you invited us. Thank you for that. You didn't fix us. You didn't convict us. You didn't have some compelling argument that went, we believe, we believe. All you did is get us in the room and then Jesus talked to us. And you know what? We worked some stuff out. Now we think the sa- he's the savior of the world. Thank you for that introduction. Let me put it in baseball terms. God used a woman who had struck out at least six times to help a lot of people score. Does that make sense? The Bible says many people. A woman who, who had, her life was basically in shambles, but she bumped into Jesus, and the Bible says many people believed in him because of his words. All she said was, come and see. Come and see what? Him. He'll describe a better way to live your life. And then they, they went, and he pointed them towards home base. In baseball, you call that an RBI, to run batted in. This woman did one thing that allowed a whole bunch of other people to score. She didn't preach to them. She didn't convince them. All she did was say, come and and see. I'm just inviting you to come and see for yourself. And they did. They met Jesus. And they're connected with God. And they're becoming the people he wants them to be. Now, while this woman was back in town, you know, uh, saying, hey, you got to come see this man that I just met down at the well, Jesus had a little, you know, powwow with his disciples, Hey guys, come here. I saw the look in your eyes when you walked up and I was talking to that lady, by the way, okay? And this is what he says. He doesn't use baseball because baseball wasn't invented yet, but he uses farming as a parable. And he says this, verse 35. Do you not say, and he's talking to a bunch of farm kids, okay? So they all know. Four months more and then the harvest. I mean, every good farmer knows. You plant in the spring and about four months later, you start picking stuff, right? I mean, you know that. Do you not say four months more than the harvest? Well, let me tell you. Open your eyes, and look at the field. I'm not talking about well water and I'm not talking about corn anymore. Look at the field. Look, look at the people around you. God's doing something here. Verse 36, even now the, the reaper or the harvester, all right, uh, draws his wages. It means means he, he's, he's getting what he, what, he, what he was looking for. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, for olam haba, so that the sower, the one that started something in people's lives and the reaper, the one that's harvesting, may be glad together. Let me translate this, all right? God's doing something in people's lives all over this place and they've never darkened the door of a church. As a matter of fact, you swear that they never will. God's doing something in their life tonight. They're just not here. He's been doing something for years in their life, in your son's life, in your dad's life, in your friend's life that that curses God because of what happened to her 13 years ago, all right? God's doing something in her life. God sowed something in her life. And then he looks at us and goes, hey, partner with me. Just invite them to come and see so that you and I can rejoice together, be glad together because the one person that we both love now is in a place they might win. They're connected with God. They're finding a better way to live their life. Just come and see. So that's, that's, what, that's the talk tonight, all right? Uh, values five and six. Inviting people that we care about to come and see, that's value number six, to an excellent environment, that's number five, where people bump into Jesus. So, Here's the application, very simple application. Sometimes you walk out of here going, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with that. This may be one of those nights, but I think this is pretty easy. You don't have to write it down. Here's three applications. Uh, You don't have to do these, but um, here's what you could do with this. Application number one. The reason that we're going to the Rockies game next week has nothing to do with baseball, okay? If all you wanna go to the baseball game, um, our tickets are four bucks, Their tickets are four bucks, okay? Go to the baseball game. That's not why we're going to the baseball game. The reason we're going to the baseball game is kind of an excuse for you to invite some friends that would never come to church, even a church in a strip mall by a liquor store. They still wouldn't come to church, all right? But you know where they might come? The rock pile. And they might be surrounded by a bunch of people who aren't weird in the way that they describe weird. I mean, you're weird, but they're not these religious nutcases that are gonna make people look around and go, oh, that's why I don't go to church, See, um, we're trying to set you up for a win with your friends. So here's the thing is, if you haven't bought a ticket, well, let me say, if you've already bought a ticket and that's 1,400 of you have already bought tickets, and I think another, 150 tickets went last hour, all right? So we're up to 1,500 and something. We have to, we're buying another section right now, all right? If you're gonna go to that ball game, please don't be weird in a religious way, <laughs> All right? Please, 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 please. Don't, don't say, I follow Jesus and then have Jesus go. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? And I'm not saying walk around, you know, and go, oh, I love you and I love you. Don't, don't be weird, just, just be yourself. The win, for, the win for Flatirons next week and why we're going to Flatirons is if you can meet a lot of people that you don't know and just invite them to come and see that would be awesome. That's the only win. It's not the scoreboard. I mean, I want the Rockies to win because you know I really hate the Padres, but, I, I want the, but that's not the win for me. The win is if we all meet a lot of people. Here's the other thing. If you haven't bought a ticket, if you can't afford one, just go ask for them because we're not gonna let money be a reason why you can't go. But if you haven't bought a ticket, go. Go, go, get, go get tickets tonight and say, well, I don't know who I'd invite. I, I bet if you bought four tickets, four people will pop up this week that you can invite. I just believe it. And if not, you're out 16 bucks. It's worth it. So that's the rocket. Here's the second one, all right? Help us. This is not my church. This is your church. And this church is the only place that exists for people that don't even go here. You ever thought about that? We exist for people that that aren't even here yet. A third of you weren't even here a year ago. And hopefully a year from now, this room will be a third more full. That's why we have to build a building and we're gonna talk about that later in the year. But I'm telling you, um, we exist for people that don't go here. Your friends your friends, and I don't know your friends, but you do. So tell us what we need to do to make this thing better. What, what do you mean? Well, I mean, that's why you volunteer. I'm not even talking about that. Hey, in your program and on the screen right now, you see ideas at FlatironsChurch.com. If you have your phone with you, start on it right now. Would you email or text us some ideas? Ideas that would connect with your friend or your dad or your cousin or your colleague or your baseball team member, or whatever, that if they were to say yes, and actually said, I, all right, I'll go to church one time, what do you hope they'd find here? Help us build a place that's not for us. As a matter of fact, if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time, and you've already reached for your cell phone because you're like, this is my shot to tell Jim what I think he needs to do. He needs to preach the revelation and do an apologetic thing about Leviticus or blah, 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 blah. And put your phone away. This is not for you. It's not for you at all. Okay, if you're already a believer in Jesus, I'm not even talking to you. I'm talking about your friends who, I'm not talking about your friends that go to another church and you just want them to come to a better one. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about your friends that don't go to church at all. But if they were to actually say yes, if your dad, if your cousin, if your son, if your grandpa, if your whatever, were to actually say yes, I'll go one time. How can we connect with them? Is there a song out there going, if you played this song, if you said this, if you did this, if you never, please, 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 don't talk about this ever, 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 ever. You know, Tell us, tell us what that is. We'll, we'll do the best we can because we want to build an environment that's, that's, that's excellent. I mean, I'm saved, but I got a friend that's not. I'm connected, but I'm really worried about my friend. So help us build a place that's better. Text us that. You got to do that by Tuesday noon, by the way, because Tuesday at one, next week's service is going to be totally built off of those emails and text. Okay? So you're going to build this. And we can't work them all in next weekend, so over the next weeks and months. Here, if you email, if you build it, we will we'll listen we will come. All right. So, so if you'll give us ideas, we can't use them all because some of them will just be <laughs> nuts. But, well, we, and, and you know, again, you know, who you are, but anyway, uh, you, know, so, uh, you know, more skin or, you know, something like whatever. I don't know. Here's the, here's the last one. There are certain seasons in the, in the calendar year where people are more open to coming to church than other times. Number one season, Easter. You might hate God because of what happened in your life 13 years ago. If somebody comes up to you at work and goes, you want to go to church with me? It's Easter. You'll go, all right. 12,300 people came to church here this past Easter. Okay. This is amazing. It's, it's cool. But, but, but here's the other thing. Okay. There's another season. That's January. People come back to church in January. I got to quit smoking. I got to lose weight. And I got to find God. Okay. So they come for a while and then it kind of wears up by, by Valentine's Day. And then, you know, and some of you stuck around. Thank you. But anyway, and the other one is back to school. Right? It's like, you've been on vacation, you don't have any more money to do anything on the weekends, so we might as well go to church. So, so you come in here, you know, around late August or, or September, all right? Here's what I want you to do. Um, who is it that God, and you know what, you might've only been a believer or a follower of Jesus for uh, 30 minutes or 30 years, but who right now is coming to mind over the last few minutes going, you know what? I've been thinking about doing this, about saying, would yeah, you come to my church Um, Just come and see and just check it out. It's different. I I can't explain that, but just come and see. And right now, you already have a name coming to mind. Don't you? And I would build a case that the Holy Spirit put that name in, but that'd be weird, so I will not even say that, okay? So I believe it, though. But anyway, who is it in your heart right now, in your mind, going, you know what? I would love it if one day they sat in this chair right here. So here's what we're gonna do. Randy wrote a song. This just blows me away. That people can go in their office and come out going, this is what God says. It's just crazy to me. And it's a good song, too, Randy. Really... It's good. Some are, you know not so good. But yeah, no, 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 they're all good. So he writes this song based on what we're doing tonight. Would you just think, pray, whatever you want to say, about this person? God, would you give me an opportunity Maybe to start, maybe invite him to a Rockies game, maybe invite him to church over the next few weeks, maybe to invite him you know, after Labor Day to come, whatever. But God, would you create an opportunity that I could actually look at somebody and go, you know, all I know is that my life's better since I started going to church and kind of praying. And would you ever want to come and see Most people don't come to church for one reason. They've never been asked. Nobody came to church here because I'm the preacher. Nobody came to church because the music's good. Nobody came to church because the yellow pages, because we don't do anything in the yellow pages, or we don't hang anything on anybody's doors or put them under your windshield wipers. The only reason you're here is because somebody told you about this place. And there's about a thousand of us in this room tonight, and there's a thousand people that don't even know that it's possible. I'm gonna pray. Randy's gonna sing. Whenever you catch on to the song, sing along. It's an awesome song. There's this one word in there called Hallelujah. It just means, yay, God, you saved me. Help me, help me get an RBI. Help me help somebody else find you. Let me pray, and then we'll go find better air conditioning. Okay, so let's pray, all right? God, I love you. Thanks for uh, inviting me to come and see your son, Jesus. My mom and dad invited me to come and see, and I'm so thankful they did that. I'm thankful that uh, about three years ago, some people called me on the phone and said, would you come to Colorado and come and see what God's doing out here? And I never thought this was possible, God. I give you all the credit and all the praise and all the hallelujah for that, all the glory because you alone could pull off something like flat irons. But maybe, maybe we're running after the most important things, the valuable things because it's changing our lives. We're changing people. We're not totally changed yet. There's more, but it's better. It's better. So God, would you just right now give us a name and a face and a story and then give us the courage and the opportunity over the next few hours or weeks or maybe months, I don't know, to begin to build a case to say, come and see. We can't change anybody or fix anybody. Just like that woman at the well, she couldn't do anything. All she could do is say, my life's better. You ought to check it out. That's our prayer tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.